verse 7, living as children of God. And we have a memory verse. The memory verse is 1 John 3, verse 1. 1 John 3, verse 1. And uh, in the lesson here, it's quoting from the NIV version. Uh, why don't you say that with me? You ready? How great is the love of the Father that He's lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is because it did not know Him. Now I messed that up. You know why? I've got this verse memorized in the King James. And my brain is sort of on autopilot. And when I it kept wanting to go back to what I've memorized and I was uh, doing that automatically. But uh, behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called sons of God. And uh, I like it that it's, it's basically inviting us to consider, to look at it. It's like John says, I can't find words for it. So just look at it. You'll get the idea. You've heard the expression before, a picture is worth a thousand words. It says, consider, behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called sons of God. So this lesson today is going to talk about living as children of God. Now, uh, it uses an illustration at the beginning of the lesson and I've, I've done a lot of uh, thinking about the illustration in particular about this man who uh, came to see a preacher and he said, no matter how much I pray or, or what I do, I just can't seem to find peace that God has really adopted me as his child. And the pastor said, see, I've got this dog in my house and uh, this dog, he listens to everything I say and he's house trained and he fetches when I tell him to fetch. And uh, then in the other room, I've got a son, and that son uh, makes a mess, and he's still a baby, and uh, we have to change him, and, and he gets his food scattered everywhere. Now, when I die, who do you think is going to get my inheritance, the son or the dog? <laughs> well, I'd have to think about that. No. <laughs> Obviously, it's going to be the baby. And uh, so they illustrate that to say, you know, when you're adopted... You can have confidence in the fact that God is going to accept you as his child into his kingdom. Um, you know, they reminded me, I knew I was forgetting something. I forgot the free offer. Uh, it's up on the screen. For all of our friends who are watching, each week we have a free offer to enhance your study. This week the free offer, it's called the Holy Spirit, the Need. And uh, it's offer number 723. We'll send that to you for asking. And that's one eight six six seven eight eight three nine six six. Call that number and request it. We'll send it to you. All right. So back to our lesson. When I was thinking about this illustration, uh, I began to think that um, uh, that's one I actually copied it and used it. Uh, I've got a big collection of illustrations in my sermon notes. I said I'm going to save that one. I, I can think of some places where I might use that. But then I also thought that could be flawed if we misapply it in today's study. Because there are really, we're not talking about whether or not uh, God is going to adopt dogs or children into his kingdom. We're talking about true and counterfeit children. It's not a question between children and dogs. And uh, so the very beginning of the Bible deals with two sons. Two sons of Adam. The posterity of Adam split with the sons of God and the children of men. You see a split in the posterity of God's remnant with the descendants of Esau 
and the descendants of Israel. You see a split in the posterity of God in the children of Israel between spiritual Israel and physical Israel. And so both claim heritage. And um, so we've got to make sure we understand what the real issue is here in the adoption. Now, uh, before we get into that, I want to go ahead and talk about our first section a little bit, sons of God. And then we'll we'll dive into this uh, principle a little more. Um, In Genesis chapter 6, verse 2, there is a verse that is very troubling to a lot of people. Genesis 6, verse 2, talks about this split in the very beginning of the world, uh, in the posterity of God, of Adam in particular. And it says, The sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were beautiful, and they took wives for themselves of all whom they chose. Then it goes on to say that they had children that were giants, mighty men. Who are these sons of God? Now let me read you another version just so you know where some of the confusion comes in. I'm now going to quote from the New Living Version of the Bible. The sons of God saw the daughters of the human race, and they took all they wanted as their wives. Now, it would imply here that these sons of God are not humans, because they're seeing humans, and they're having intimate relations with the humans. It goes on and says that in the next few verses. How many of you have heard before that... Some believe these verses are saying that either aliens from other planets or fallen angels had intimate relations with the human race and then they had these kind of half-breed children that were giants. Uh, Just raise your hand if you've heard that before. Uh, We get this question at Bible Answers Live at least once a month. Matter of fact, we can't even take it every time we get it because we get it so frequently, it's almost redundant. People get confused, and part of the confusion comes from the version of Bibles they're reading. And uh, so you can see some translations do have some dangerous slants to them. You know, if you want to understand this, Matthew Henry's commentary makes it very clear. In the beginning, there was a split It says Cain took his wife and he left Adam and Eve and their family and he left the region of Eden and he went and he built a city and they turned their backs on the worship of Jehovah and basically they became carnal. They were the sons of men. The sons of God were the ones who stayed true to God. Uh, They were the descendants of Adam now through Seth. And his seed. And you can see the genealogy of Cain is given there in Genesis. And the genealogy of Seth. Two separate groups. And as long as they remained distinct. And they did not intermarry. The sons of God were true to God. But when the sons of God. The descendants of Seth. Saw the daughters of Cain. The daughters of men. uh, That word men. Enos. They were mortal. The mortals. They didn't have eternal life. And they began to intermarry then the distinction of holiness was lost. And when the people in the world, begin to, uh, people in the church begin to intermarry with lost, unconverted, saved people, what happens to the state of the church? When they're unequally yoked, it begins to gravitate down. 
And after it says that the children of Seth that were following the Lord began to intermarry because Cain, whatever reason, he had beautiful daughters, began to intermarry with them, then spiritually they went down fast. They took a dive. And that's when it says in the same chapter, God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth. He said, my spirit will not always strive with man. He's got 120 years. And then God calls Noah and he sends a flood. So it has nothing to do with people intermarrying with fallen angels or aliens from other planets. So if you hear that, I hope you'll quickly reject that bizarre teaching. Hasn't Jesus made it clear that angels do not procreate? Well, that's settled in the New Testament. And there's nothing in the Bible that tells us we're being visited by aliens. Uh, so uh, those are some really strange things. Now, let me give you some further evidence for this. Who are the sons of God? Well, we know from our verse, 1 John chapter 3, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called sons of God. Um, you can read in um, Isaiah, tells us uh, that we are the sons and daughters of God. Those who are the saved are the sons and daughters of God. Revelation 21 verse 7. He that overcomes shall inherit, inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. Now, let me give you um, a little more information on this. In Luke 1.35, this is what the angel said to Mary in relation to the birth of Christ. Someone read for me Luke 1.35. Just grab it. If you, you're someone up front here, maybe. And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. All right. Here's something very important to understand. What is the primary difference between the sons of God and the non-sons of God or the counterfeit sons of God? He says the Holy Spirit conceived Jesus. Therefore... He will be called a son of God, or the son of God. Now, look in Matthew chapter 3, the baptism of Jesus. The baptism of Jesus, was Jesus baptized for washing away his sin or for our example? It also tells us what we might expect at our baptism. Matthew 3.16, when he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. What does the voice say after the Spirit comes upon him? This is my beloved Son. So what is the criteria to being a Son of God? The Holy Spirit. You know, I, I heard a um, radio program, Christian program, call-in program, and this lady was calling in and saying, you know, we need some advice. And they're asking these Christian counselors. Uh, my son uh, is beginning to suspect that the child that he and his wife have is not his. And this is the grandmother calling in. And we're thinking about asking her to have a DNA test. And the counselor said, why? Uh, are, have you made a decision to love that child and treat it as your own? Has your son going to keep the child and treat it as his own? Then why do you want to know? 
If it's if you're going to treat it as your own and love it as your own, better off you don't know. If you're going to disown it, well, maybe you want to know. And she said, well, I'd never thought of it that way. And so sometimes to find out if a person is really a son today, they do a DNA test. And you might find out whether they are, whether or not. I'm talking about a biological son. But something different happens. You know, you might get adopted. Uh, I've got a stepbrother, John Batchelor. Took my father's name, Batchelor. My father never legally adopted him, but he, he treated him like a son in every other way. And he still works for the company that still is in existence. Um, and we have a good relationship. But if he took a DNA test, he has no bachelor blood. And no matter how long he lived with my father, he would never develop bachelor blood. But that doesn't affect the relationship. But there's something different with God. When you are adopted by God, you begin to develop the DNA. And you take on the image. Now, wouldn't that be strange if you adopted a child, you know, they're six years old, and by the time they're ten, they start to look like you. <laughs> but isn't that what happens with the Christian? When you receive the Holy Spirit, you begin to get different DNA spiritually. You start to take on the image of a new father. And you change. See, man originally was made in the image of God and then the devil infused his DNA of selfishness into the human race and man began to take on the image of the devil with the fall and started acting like the devil, looking like the devil. If you ever want to know what the epitome of that is, look at the demoniac there by the sea of Galilee and he was filled with the devils. And what did he look like? He's living with pigs and tombs and covered with chains and naked and bruised and it just I mean that's the image of the devil self-destruction but after he met Jesus Christ cleaned him up the chains fell off he was in his right mind he began to take on the image of Christ and this is what happens so it really is it's a flawed analogy because when God adopts us and he gives us the spirit that is the criteria for being a real son of God so, I'll tell you why I think this is important for us to understand. There's a lot of false teaching out there. It's sappy and it's wonderful. I mean, it sounds wonderful, but it's not true. And the idea is that once you say you accept Jesus, you automatically are adopted into the family of God, whether or not you've got the Spirit leading you. That's not true. Now, I want to give you more scripture for that. Romans 8, verse 14 to 16. How do we know who are the real sons and daughters of God? For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. So if someone is going out there saying, look, I got baptized and I joined the church and so I'm a son of God and it doesn't matter, uh, you know, what I might do wrong. You know, you're going back to that illustration of the messy son or the obedient dog. My father's going to adopt me. Uh, that's a flawed illustration there. Because if you're not led by the Spirit, you are not a son of God. Amen. Now, Pastor Doug, why did you say that? I didn't say it. Jesus said it. You take it up with Him. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the Son of God. They pass a new kind of DNA test. They got the Holy Spirit. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by where we cry out, 
Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself. Notice the emphasis. The Spirit, the Spirit, the Spirit. The Spirit Himself bears witness. There's a witness of the Spirit in our lives when we become children of God. We are new creatures. We've been transformed. There's going to be a visible difference. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. All right, let me ask you a question. Samson. Did Samson have the Spirit of God? The whole time of his life, or did he lose it at one point? And when he lost the Holy Spirit, did he lose his power? And was he lost at that time? He was. He grieved away the Spirit. I mean, he took a while, but he did a lot of really dumb things, and he finally sold, sold his soul for Delilah's, get some peace from her, and uh, he lost his strength. He repented near the end. How many of you think that Samson will be in heaven? I do. I just wondered what you thought. Does anyone not think he'll be in heaven? It says in Hebrews he's in the hall of faithful. Kai had an 11th hour conversion. What is the best evidence that he will be there? The last act of his life was a filling of the Spirit. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him and he pushed down the Philistine temple. By the way, that's what Christ did. When Jesus died, he stretched out his arms and he knocked down the temple of the devil. And so there's a wonderful analogy there. Samson is a type of Christ. And so the filling of the Spirit is evidence that he was adopted at the end. We need to have that Spirit. And that's what gives us peace. All right, Galatians chapter 3, verse 26. Still talking about uh, children of God. I gave that to somebody. Who has Galatians 3? For you are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. All right, so the Holy Spirit is one indicator that uh, we are children of God. What is another one? What did we just read? By faith. We have the Spirit and we have faith. And uh, this is the evidence that we are His children. So when it's talking about sons of God there in Genesis, is it talking about aliens, fallen angels? No, it's talking about those who have the Spirit of God. And uh, then in Ephesians 1.5, having predestined us by, unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to Himself according to the good pleasure of His will. So we're adopted into the family and He looks upon us as we're His. Now, in the um, history of Israel, especially by the time that Jesus came, there was some discussion about who are the sons of God. Because the Jews said, we are sons of God by virtue of being children of Abraham. We are church members on the rolls. Our parents and grandparents were in the church. Therefore, God is going to save us. We've got the tradition and heritage of the church. So that means that we're, we're saved. And one of the big struggles that the New Testament preachers had was, that's not true. They said, you are not saved by virtue of your physical genetics or biology. God is no respecter of persons. You are saved by virtue of your faith in Christ. As many as receive Christ, they are children of Abraham. Uh, John the Baptist said to the Jews, they thought we're saved because we're biological Jews. He said, God is able to raise up from these stones children unto Abraham. And so they put too much credibility in their physical heritage and Jesus over and over through the ministry of Christ he said many will come from the east and the west meaning the Gentiles 
They'll sit down in the kingdom with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And the children of the kingdom, the natural children, are in outer darkness. And so he's saying it isn't just because you've been in the church. Are you in Christ? That what's, that's what makes you spiritual Israel. Now, I'll bear that out here with John chapter 8, 42. And these are the words of Christ here. John chapter 8, verse 42. I'll be reading through 44. Jesus said to them, If God were your Father, He's speaking to the scribes and Pharisees here, You would love Me, for I proceeded forth and came from God. Nor have I come of Myself, but He sent Me. Why do you not understand my speech? It's because you are not able to listen to my word. They weren't even able to hear his word. You are of your father, the devil. Ooh, that's not very kind. That sounds like hate speech. Those are the words of Jesus. You are of your father, the devil. And the desires of your father you will do. So here are church members coming to Jesus saying, We're Abraham's seed. Now, we do that today too, you know. We got the heritage, grandfather, fourth generation in the church. Got to save me. And Jesus is saying, you don't listen to my word. You're not my children. You're of your father, the devil. So a lot of people out there saying, hey, praise the Lord, I've been adopted because I've been baptized. There's more to it than that. We'll do what our father says. Uh, one more verse on this. So I gave somebody Matthew 13, verse 38. Matthew 13, verse 38. The field is the world, and the good seed is the children of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one. All right, so in the parable of the wheat and the tares, you've got uh, two groups that are mingled up in the field of the father, right, in the parable. It's the, the husband's field, the husbandman's field. He's the father, God. And um, the wicked one sows weeds or tares among the wheat, and they look the same. But in the harvest, we're going to find out who are the real children of God, it says here. And then you've got the children or the sons of the wicked one. So not everybody that is in the church really is uh, genuinely adopted. The Holy Spirit Faith in Christ, those are the criteria. And there's a lot of other counterfeit ones out there. But um, good news is, He's promised to adopt us, and if we surrender to Him, He fills us with His Spirit and enables us to do His will. Amen? And, uh, uh, and He loves us. Even though we may have been out there in the world, we may not have been raised in the church, He will then adopt us, and He begins to change our DNA. All right, let's move on here. Um, and then, of course, there are some who are adopted. Uh, they've got the right, but they despise it. They don't appreciate it. It's, it's something that should be cherished. And you've got the story, of course, of Jacob in the Bible and Esau. And that battle they had, Jacob wanted the birthright. He wanted that uh, adoption. His brother sort of spurned it. And it said here in Genesis 25:30, And Jacob gave Esau bread and stew of lentils, then he ate and he drank and he went his way and Esau despised his birthright. There are some who are natural born. They're born in the faith, but they don't appreciate it. And Jacob, he didn't have the right of the firstborn, but he went after it with everything he had. He ultimately uh, had it. He received that blessing. Hebrews 12:16 says the same thing. 
lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau, who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. We are adopted by faith, but can we sell our birthright? And a lot of people for some temporary passing pleasure, they say, oh well, it doesn't matter. God, the, the Father will give it to me when the time comes. Did Esau sell his birthright and then later come to receive it and found out it was too late? Yeah, he did. He came in and Jacob, he had got it before him. And Isaac said, your younger brother beat you to it. And so he sold it, but then he still thought he could get it later. And there's a lot of people in the church that do that. And we've got to be very careful to cherish the birthright by being spirit-filled and keeping the spirit. Don't grieve away the spirit. Did I make that point clear? That's very important, I think. All right, so let's move on. Results and responsibilities. Um, 1 